Spoiler alert, this episode contains spoilers for season four of Doctor Who. You're listening to Jack Loves TV. I'm Jack Kelly, and each week I sit down with one of my friends and discuss one of our favorite TV shows. This week, I'm joined by my dear friend and producer, Christian Humes, and we're discussing Doctor Who season four. Hi, Christian. Hey, Jack. I'm glad to be here, finally. It has taken us almost a year <laughs> to get you Oh, my on, gosh. Right? Wow, you're right. Yeah, it's... Because every time that it was, you know, I would ask for shows, you were like, hey, how about this show? I'm like, I haven't seen it. How about this show? It's like you somehow picked all of the shows that I somehow have not seen. Which is crazy because you've seen a lot of shows. Yeah, it's it's just proof that there's so much good TV out there that right. even I cannot watch all of it. Right. But this but this was the one when I said, Oh, we're gonna I'm gonna do like a series of Doctor Who episodes and you were like, I want Doctor Who season four. That's all I'm asking for. I'm like, done, perfect. You had some serious you had some people definitely gonna fight you for it. But Oh really? Oh yeah. I had tons of people that were like, I wanna do the one with Donna and I'm like, I'm gonna give it to the guy that helps me make this thing. <laughs> so uh sorry, that's just how it's it goes. hard to choose. I mean, David Tennant's my favorite of the doctors, so yeah. it was hard to choose which season to go with, but I felt like hers was one of the most uh complete arcs in many ways that I think they really stuck the landing on. Yeah. So. Yeah, agreed. And and we're, we'll go into more of the discussion later, but it's also they really pulled in a lot of the actors from the previous seasons, which definitely drew, I think, it really drew David Tennant's run to a close. Yes. Even yes. though you also have the specials, which we're not going to be discussing today because those need their own episode. Yeah. There's so many emotions with those. <laughs> but... It was, this was the first season that I watched episode by episode. So Absolutely. I've been watching this show for a minute now. <laughs> the first episode of Doctor Who I ever saw was a David Tennant episode. Okay. Yeah. The first one I saw was actually The Doctor Dances, but um, but this this season was when it was airing was when I was watching it, which was kind of nice. So then when people are like, oh, you've been, you've been a fan for this for a while. I'm like, yeah, I got a lot of opinions. <laughs> I was I watched this when nobody in America cared. So, Christian, other than Doctor Who and all of the shows that I don't watch, what other what other shows do you watch? Oh man. So, I watch a ton of TV as well, although I really like to binge these days more than watch stuff live. Um currently I've watched a lot more animated stuff recently, so I've watched Avatar, Korra, She-Ra, um Voltron. So I've watched a lot of animated stuff recently. Some some anime like My Hero Academia. But then, of course, I love a lot of the sci-fi serialized stuff like Lost, Fringe, Alias, and anything J.J. Abrams has touched. Um, I really like Travelers you're on trying Netflix. To, you're trying to get me to watch Travelers. It is on it's the very good. list. It's very, very, very good. Uh, and then Game of Thrones, Westworld, um, all the hits. If it's If it's got a good sci-fi element... Um, I'm actually finishing up Chuck for the first time right now, and it is wonderful. I got, how far in Chuck did I get? I think I got two, I, I at least got two seasons into it. But that is that is one of those shows where it is so good, and I think it would have really benefited to be aired now. And, yes. And especially now that they're changing things to, you know, 
hour-long shows are now getting 13-episode seasons. Because that show, when it was like, oh, there's 22 episodes of the season, I'm like, there are how many of the episodes? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. It's Just about all those shows. Exhausting. It's exhausting. Yeah. It's a it's fun a show. It's a fun show, but there's there leaves more room for like dud episodes. Yes, <laughs> which is so disappointing. Which there are. Oh, there's tons. But that's what uh, I really like about these streaming binging services because you can usually tell when you're kind of on a dud episode. So sometimes I might just start fast forwarding segments. <laughs> <laughs> I I never fast forward. I would like to say uh, I just proceed to watch the same show over and over and over again instead of watching something new which is my cross to bear well (laughs) it it is what it is i've currently been rewatching no activity over and over and over again at work because it's so good and i'm trying to get which is crazy when you have so many uh, things you haven't seen i know but part of it's because i can't pay full attention at work Right. So I don't want to get distracted and yeah. lose something or worse yet, just watch TV at work. Yeah, I've, you should you probably don't want to be like watching Better Call Saul for the first time when you can't pay attention. Yeah, I tried watching things that require a lot of attention and it just it just doesn't work. So I have right. to watch a lot of comedies that I've seen before. So Bob's Burgers the is Office. a great one. Yeah. Yeah. Any, any new airing stuff that's on like Hulu. Any half-hour comedies I'm good with, but if as long as I've seen it before and it has some sort of a formula that I can follow that if I lose my place in it and I have to like look away or pause it and walk away for a bit, I'm not completely screwed because ADHD is also really makes, <laughs> makes, watching, makes watching some shows very challenging. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> you don't say. And my doctor's like, we don't need to medicate you. I'm like, all right, okay. Okay, you're the one who writes my prescriptions, so I guess you have final say. (laughs) So let's get into some TV news. So one of the biggest stories that happened this week was that the SpongeBob SquarePants creator, Steven Hillenberg, died at 57 years old this week. Yeah, very sad. So young, too. 57 is not old in the slightest, and it was so great to see all of these people coming out and writing about how much SpongeBob like shaped them as a person, which I personally found really fascinating because SpongeBob admittedly was not one of my favorite shows as a kid, not my sense of humor, but I understand how happy it made other people. Obviously it's a show that is still running. Right. Which is amazing. Yeah. SpongeBob is one of those weird things that I don't think about it being on TV as when I was a kid. Cause I think it came out when I was maybe Close to being a teenager. Yeah, I think you were in high school. Yeah, how many how many years has been around? Twenty years at this point. Almost. It came out in. um, Yeah. So I was somewhere around thirteen years old. So for a new cartoon to be coming out at that point, I'm sort of growing out of watching Nickelodeon at all at that age. Um, I watched a couple seasons. I always thought it was funny, but I always found it a little gross. but then looking back on it, I've actually enjoyed it more now than I think I did when it was first on TV. It's very funny. There are some episodes that I genuinely enjoy, but it just like it was never my thing. Yeah. Which is fine. I always wanted to eat a Krabby Patty, though. They always look delicious. I love great cartoon food. Cartoon oh, food is one of my absolute favorite things. I'll never forget. And it probably tastes horrendous. 
but there's an episode of Doug where he makes pizza with bananas and everyone's just like dipping bananas into like jars of tomato sauce and eating them. And it sounds disgusting. But for whatever reason, when they drew this and they drew the pizza, like they had that perfect like melty cheese. Everything looks so good. Yeah, I know this isn't TV related and, you know, you can yell at me later, but the food in Miyazaki's films. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Spirited Away is yeah. just that whole scene at the market in the very beginning is my favorite food scene of any movie ever. And anytime I go to the farmer's market at the Grove, I always think of that scene because of, like, the structures and, like, the way everything's yeah. set up. I'm like, how is this not? How is this not? <laughs> and then a mild sense of panic sets in <laughs> because it's like, oh, God, are they going to turn into pigs? Uh, but I just looked it up, and SpongeBob actually aired May 1st, 1999. Okay. Yeah, so, so I, I was, like, 12 years old at that point. I was just turning nine, like, yeah. 10 days later. So, so I was on, like, I was... the cusp. You were a target. You are like, a target demo. Oh, yeah, and I was still completely uninterested. <laughs> it is what it is. But I'm really happy that, you know, so many people have been affected by his work. And that's kind of what you want. You know, you want to leave a legacy and you want people to talk about what you've done and leave a mark. And he's definitely left a mark on a whole generation of comedians, which is great. And I love it, especially animation comedy writers. Yes. I know they've all been really, really talking about this show this week, which was great. Even my rabbi, big SpongeBob fan, as one is. <laughs> so the next piece of news is that the Hallmark Channel, speaking of my rabbi, the Hallmark Channel is finally adding Hall, uh, ha uh, Hanukkah movies to their lineup next year. <laughs> you know. I saw this. I saw this on Twitter today. Um, my favorite science Twitter account to follow. She is a science uh, communicator um, and science journalist, Erin Bibba. Okay. She's great. She's Jewish. She's a brilliant scientist, awesome Twitter account to follow her. And she was like, how have there not been any of these? And now they're doing two. And she was sharing. And I was like, oh, I thought about it for a moment. And there are not. And, uh, you know, I have, a, I have a new show where we actually like pit fictional characters against each other. And we were going to do a holiday episode. And I spent so much time trying to find a Hanukkah themed character or a New Year's character or anything that wasn't just Christmas. And other than maybe a general winter character, like a Jack Frost, everything is sort of Christmas related. There really aren't well-known fictional Hanukkah characters for uh, any reason. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, and part of it's, part of it's because Hanukkah is a minor holiday. So it's, it's also not, it's not the Jewish Christmas. It's not, you know, there's, there's not as much weight put in it as sure. people think there is. Because mostly the gift giving started coming about because all the Jewish kids were like, excuse me, how come all of my Christian friends are getting gifts and I'm not? This I hate this. And so parents were like, okay, I guess we're going to start giving you gifts so it stops being weird. So Yeah. I mean, all these holidays are so irreligious now anyway for most people. I mean, I don't – I'm not religious at all. I still celebrate Christmas. It's a consumer holiday. It's like, and I'll watch a Christmas movie. I love a good Christmas movie. Yeah. I'm – I'm just very excited more Hanukkah movies because I'm I'm or just any any, any would be great <laughs> any would be great <laughs> and I am I'm hosting a a latka party later this week and I was trying to find TV episodes 
for Hanukkah that are Hanukkah themed and there are not many. So it was so this will Yeah, I wouldn't imagine. So this will be a, a welcome a welcome thing for next year's. So the next the last piece of news that I want to touch on is that Jerry Springer has not left, folks. He is not gone. He is getting his own courtroom show. <sighs> Wait, like Judge yes. Judy? But he's not a judge. Nope. She's an actual yes. judge. So what is this going to be? I'm just thinking that it is like it's got to be a scripted version then of Judge Judy, right? Like it's a fake court, it's all fake, but I don't think so. It's going to be kind of like Judge Judy. Like that's that's his milieu, like that is what he does is reality stuff. So, yeah. He's but none of it's no, real. No, not even her show is real. <laughs> not even her show is real because I have had friends post screenshots of them on uh-huh. their shows like as the prosecutor as the defendant and it's hysterical because it's like oh you are actors <laughs> you don't know each oh, other oh see no that's interesting because her show is everything i've read is that her show is real because she is an actual judge but there's a weird stipulation with her show where so let's say you go on and you have a dispute yeah. and you lose and you're supposed to pay let's say five grand the show pays for whoever to whoever loses or wins. Like the person actually isn't. So it must there must be some certain like legal agreement they go into where whatever the settlement turns out to be, like this case can't be adjudicated further. Because she is an actual right. judge. So there must be something strange then with that if they're also hiring actors to come on for stuff. Yeah, maybe I'm thinking of a different show. I know I've seen friends post screenshots of them on those courtroom shows though. It is hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> so I can only imagine what Jerry Springer's courtroom show is going to be like, especially, you know, speaking of legacies earlier, the Jerry Springer show. I had a friend in high school who grew up rather wealthy, and it wasn't until I think our freshman year of high school that she had seen an episode of Jerry Springer. And she only saw it yeah. because we were on a band trip and we were in a hotel room and it was on. And she was like, what is this? And we're like, have you not seen Jerry Springer? How? How? <laughs> how? I'm like, this is a family reunion for me. So just nuts. I can't wait. Can't wait to see what happens with that. So renewals and cancellations this week. There's been more. We're now on the downward slide of things now being canceled. So renewals were Preacher and Raven's Home. And Preacher is also going to be filming their next season in Australia. So that'll be really cool. Weird. Right? Cancellations. Another period. Take two. Teachers, which is TV Land's last scripted show, which is interesting. And Salvation and Daredevil on Netflix, which is the big one. Yeah, that didn't surprise me. They're canceling all of them. The only thing that's left now is Jessica Jones season three. Right, and that's just because it's already been written and yeah. filmed. So now, And they had already picked yeah. it up previously. Yeah. So, Yeah, I mean, I, it, it's all got to be because of Disney's streaming service. Yeah, we're coming. all very aware of this, but it just it still affects their jobs and stuff, you know, and it is it's so it's got to be so stressful to be on those shows and not quite know your future. Yeah. But from the so from the sound of it, I was reading at the Daredevil thing earlier, and even they said the Disney execs were kind of surprised by Netflix's decision, which is the thing people should remember. Netflix is choosing 
to not renew these. This isn't Disney saying, hey, we're taking these franchises back. Netflix already has those deals. I don't know how much longer those deals last, but it seems that Netflix is deciding to either not renew or not want to pay whatever new price it's going to be down the road. Or since they know Disney's going to have this new service, they're they're really betting big on creating their own franchises and they don't want to deal with Disney stuff anymore. I think it's a little bit of that as well as the it's getting more expensive to license the characters. Right. I think that's I think that's also a big part of it is that Disney has this crazy ability to just jack up the prices and since Netflix is both simultaneously making money and bankrupt at the same time, don't know how that works, but they are they are you've seen the posts of them like once you have i mean you just look at every billionaire out there once you have a billion dollars the the rules of economy no longer apply to you Ugh, which means that we need to eat all of them <laughs> i'm on yeah, board i just want to put a guillotine in my front lawn that's all i want it's <laughs> all i want so let's go into talking about the show to give a brief synopsis in case all of these seasons get very confused or you think we're talking about the old series or the classic Who, which we are not. So season four, since Martha left the TARDIS, the Doctor has been traveling alone and happens upon a Diet Solutions Corporation that is not as it seems. He happens to run into Donna Noble, a runaway bride who previously wound up on his TARDIS by accident some time ago, who is investigating the same situation. Donna ends up joining the Doctor for journeys to the planet Oud, Pompeii, Midnight, and many more. They meet Agatha Christie, the mysterious River Song, and the Doctor's daughter, Jenny. The entire season culminates into a battle with the Daleks in which many characters return. Captain Jack Harkness, Sarah Jane Smith, Harriet Jones, Martha Jones, and Rose Tyler. Through a a sequence of events with regeneration energy, Donna is briefly imbued with Time Lord knowledge, but in order to save her, the Doctor must wipe her mind of any interaction with him. There's so much. There's so much. It's it really is my favorite series of the whole show, and po- probably the reason why David Tennant is my favorite Doctor. It has multiple of my favorite episodes. It actually has the first episode I ever saw. The first ever episode I ever saw, I was just casually flipping through the channels, and I caught Midnight, and I watched it, and it was I was like, "What is this show? This is amazing. oh my god, Midnight is so good." And that is actually a really great episode to start on too, because it's a bottle episode. Hmm. Hmm. It was fortuitous, <laughs> to say the least. And uh, I was a huge fan of Martha, so I was really bummed when, like, her, she only had a single arc. I was, like, really bummed about that. And then, you know, she comes back for a little bit in this season, which is great. I was very excited about that. Like, it, this has all the greatest hits of the new version of Doctor Who in one season. Uh, Doctor's Daughter, which is the one piece of canon that I'm really sad they never touched on again. Also one of my absolute favorite episodes. So many things. So many things. And I, I have to agree with you on a lot of it. Partners in Crime, which I really want to talk about, is one of my favorite episodes of TV, period. Because it, I just remember being a fan and watching it, and especially because Runaway Bride was the Christmas episode of Martha's season. So technically it preceded the third season. And I just remember watching that that episode and seeing everybody reacting when they announced that Catherine Tate was going to be the new companion. People were livid. They were so upset because Donna was terrible in that episode. She was horrible. Nobody liked her. Yes. She was 
yes. a miserable person to watch. And so they announced that it was going to be Catherine Tate, and everyone was like, oh, no, this is going to be awful. And then they did Partners in Crime, which is – I feel like Partners in Crime, anytime you say that to people and you say Doctor Who episode Partners in Crime, the immediate thing that everybody thinks of is the conversation that they have between the windows where she's – on the other side of the door and he's outside the window and they have the whole silent conversation. And it is the funniest thing because they're both so talented at comedy that it, Oh God, I can't like, it is so hard for me to just describe how much it makes me laugh to watch that scene every single time. Yeah. So what was interesting about this first episode was after I saw Midnight, I decided at this point to go because this is when I was first getting really into TV too. Um, you know, Lost was on at this point. I was watching that. That was amazing. And I, I really wanted to just absorb everything. So I went online, found a torrent because back then that was they didn't have these streaming services. It was the only way to find this stuff again. Right. Mm -hmm. um, watched all of it. And at that point, I'd forgotten about Donna. So when it, she was revealed to be the new companion, I was so annoyed because that first interaction with her, it was it was one of those Britishisms of comedy that Doctor Who still every now and then there's just weird sort of strange oddball jokes that they do. And they, they very rarely work for me, although now I've sort of grown to love them. The whole like way she was sort of like screaming when you first meet her was just so weird. And I was not bought in until the end of it when she like really gets through to the doctor because the doctor was in a dark place right. in this episode. He was in a very dark place. And I love David Tennant because he was so kind, but he, however kind he was, he had like the complete opposite nature as well. So he was able to like flip that switch. Mm -hmm. uh, and this was sort of him on, he was on a bender basically at the start of this episode. Yeah, accurate, accurate. And so I think, especially after having Martha leave, who was very much his rebound after Rose. And I just will forever feel bad for Martha. You know, he he meets up with Donna, who is somebody that he knew he knows already. And she's obviously changed a bit. And she's kind of matured. And he realizes that, you know, he's never going to have the same thing that he had with Rose. So it's like, hey, why don't I just have a friend come with me? And that's what we are. Yeah. And I loved the whole season that they were so insistent that they were friends every single time. There was no real romantic thing between them. There was nothing that tried to be shoehorned in there. And it was so nice to see that a male and female lead who I personally, and you know me, I ship everything and Yep. <laughs> Accurate. Then you must love the current season of Doctor Who. Because I'm totally shipping the Doctor again. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> Accurate. Oh, yeah. Uh, sorry, I, we don't need to go down that <laughs> hole because we'll be there forever. Yes, we but... will. That, is, that, that would be about 17 hours of us just yeah. sitting here and talking about ships. But the the fact that it was like there wasn't that chemistry, but yet they still had friendship chemistry and i think a lot of that plays on the fact that david tennant and Catherine tate were really good friends in real life and they they just they pulled it off so spectacularly that you you so deeply cared about their friendship and their relationship that at the end when he has to wipe her memory especially because she was a temp and her life was so fantastic with the doctor and then she has to go 
back. It was so heartbreaking, especially to see a friend do that to another friend. Yeah. So one thing that, you know, the way it opens, it's really smart because the doctor in this episode is going to do a, the doctor's had to depose of many enemies before, but the doctor does not like to kill and only generally does when forced. And the doctor's going to make an unnecessary death in this episode had it not been for Donna. He's going to sort of break his own rules, which could set the doctor down a path like, you know, that could be bad for for him. And it's it's a it's a lifelong commitment, same way that Donna was going to make a lifelong commitment in the wedding she was taking place in. And both of them sort of were looking for something else because clearly neither of them were happy. And, and the way they offset each other and then help each other grow throughout the season, I thought was brilliant because, as you mentioned, him and Martha, there sort of was this tension between them. I never, you never thought about it, you never worried about it or cared about it between the doctor and Donna. And I liked that a lot because I, it always felt a little weird for me when the doctor is in a relationship with anyone because the doctor's thousands of years older than anyone else. Oh, yeah. At least now. Oh, thousands. yeah. Uh, it's the power dynamic just feels so off to me. Right. Well, and because, you know, he is, that is his ship. He's taking them to worlds that they don't understand that are so far beyond beyond their comprehension that it really is this huge power imbalance. And it's one reason I get so uncomfortable with his relationship with Rose because she's 19 when he meets yeah. her. And it is such a weird power imbalance. Also, I think partly for me, I've always viewed the doctor as somewhat asexual. Like I really, the the first the first time that I really like saw him have that sort of like possible sexual chemistry with anybody is actually in... I think it's the next season with Matt Smith and Alex Kingston as sure, song. Yeah. Like that was the first time that I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yep. I just, I've always seen him as more of an asexual sort of character. So to have him have somebody that's not like falling in love with him is, was really nice. Yeah. And I mean, at the same time, I did always kind of also like, I was also on board with it. Cause I want the doctor to have that special thing. But uh, there was always conflict. There was always conflict. So it was nice to not have that for a season and just be able to have them go on an adventure. Yeah, and, <laughs> and we were able to focus more on the stories and the plot and the characters themselves and not this romantic story that's happening because sometimes shows do get really heavy into the relationship stuff and they lose their plot and lose their story. Right, right. And we can all name several shows where that is true glee. Um, so <laughs> it's my example for everything. Everything terrible is glee. Um, you know, there we would be remiss if we don't mention this. God, this, this season really has everything. It also has one of the weirdest things that's happened in the whole series, which is it has what is going to be the actor later, yeah. <laughs> Peter Capaldi, yeah. in the fires of Pompeii. Which they, they explain that. Right? Yeah, kinda. Like sort of. <laughs> they make it they make it ambiguous, which is good. Anytime Doctor Who explains anything, they always leave a, a nice level of ambiguity so that there aren't any really hard rules. Everything's a little wibbly wobbly. Um it was so strange when he was first cast. And that that is I think some people really, really love historical fiction episodes of Doctor Who, period piece episodes. Those are typically my least favorite. But when done well, I enjoy them. Fires Pompeii is one of my absolute favorite historical time period episodes see i love the historical time period episodes anytime they go to world war ii i'm i'm there for it 
<laughs> it's mostly it's more actually mostly anytime they're in the 1800s or earlier England when it's just old timey stuff oh, that yeah. just that is not my genre. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where they lose me every time. I I can agree with that actually. And well, and it's not it's not the first time that they had somebody in a previous episode who was then cast as a later character because it actually happened with Freema because she was in the last episode of season two. She was playing a, a woman that was working at Torchwood One when it was being destroyed. Oh. And they explained it away by saying it was her cousin. Because <laughs> she was such a minor character that she had like three lines. Right. You know, but Peter Capaldi's character was a little harder to ignore. Yes. Given that he was definitely a featured actor on that episode. And like the whole thread of it was like, are we going to save this man's life? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like, okay, we can't, we can't pretend that Peter Capaldi wasn't there. So I really want to talk about one of my favorite two-parters, which is, of course, I feel like every, every episode we talk about Doctor Who, it's like, okay, we got to talk about the Moffat episodes. So... Mm-hmm. Silence in Library, Force of the Dead, is one of the creepiest episodes. Hi, we're going to have shadows that kill you. I'm sorry, what? I I didn't, you know what? I didn't feel like sleeping the next four years anyway, so thank you. Thank you for keeping me awake. And and it was so well done because they they introduced this... I feel like Doctor Who really does well when it does prey on actual things that people use like in a very yeah now we can say in a very black mirror type of way in that we can see how the thing that is already in our life could actually kill us but this is obviously an alien and not real but we also get the introduction to river song who is an absolutely fascinating character. I think this is the... Oh my God. It's the first time that this has happened where a character knows who the doctor is and he absolutely has no idea who they are. And they know everything about him. And it is... It's so interesting. And especially to have her always saying spoilers when he asks her a question, which just leads to more questions. And... It's so well done because it makes you want to see her again, which is great. Yeah, she is one of my absolute favorite characters in the whole series. I pretty much like everything they do with her. Um, there are a lot of people that hate like what happens with Stephen Moffat in the series later on. I actually don't dislike pretty much anything they've done on Doctor Who, especially Big Picture. I've enjoyed all of it. So wh- whoever they're writing this show for, I can tell you right now it's me uh, <laughs> <laughs> because I so many people are just like oh Stephen Moffat and I'm like you just haven't even like so many people haven't even watched it in so long they don't even know what's happened and the way they end up wrapping up River Song with Peter Capaldi and they they give like a really great bow tie and actually give them time together and allow them to be happy for once I was like oh thank God <laughs> yeah because they're they're always crossing each other's paths and I mean this is more spoilers for seasons five and later but they keep cross crossing paths and this is kind of the hallmark of their relationship is being in the same place but never being there at the same point in each other's timelines right and this is the first example of that yeah and yeah it's they finally meet in the middle sort of a thing (laughs) yeah yeah and i think it's even it's so great too because 
he talks about how much he dislikes archaeologists and that's of course what she is yeah and actually you know what's interesting um the and we this will be the last thing i'll say about the peter capaldi thing because we have to talk about david Tennant. but i just remembered in that final episode with river song you find out that that is the last time river song sees him before the silence in the library because she she mentions how like in her in the journal so that is that's actually the lead to what we see here and this silence in the library episode is so great because they do their best when they make the bad guy almost like a jaws where you almost never really see it agreed yeah but you you, you it's it's all around you you never know when it's going to strike and when it does happen it's always scary so that was was really 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 good and when he gets the sonic from her that blew my mind just nuts that that she even had a sonic screwdriver because that really solidified that like oh this person does know like she's not just you know she's not just saying these things she actually does know who i am and she knows a lot about me and it and it's the next sonic isn't it it's not actually his current no, one because she gets it. It's Peter Capaldi's Sonic. Right. It's it's like a future yeah. Sonic, which is why it was like, what is this? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I know what this is, but how do you have this? This, isn't, <laughs> this is very yeah, confusing. It's, it's shorter and it's stockier. And then the one between the two, Matt Smith's is just enormous and green. Yes. So has a gr- has a green light on it. So it's it. It's just such a great introduction to a fascinating character who they then tried to, I think, kind of replicate the same kind of feeling with Clara later, but yeah. not to the same degree. I still really liked what they did with Clara, but it it, it didn't have the same capturing effect that I agree. River Song had. And I think part of that is because Alex Kingston is just incredible. Yes, the actress is she the second you meet her i'm like okay this is an important person yeah she's she is very good at what she's she does she's so good and just talking about the episode itself the the way that they utilize yeah the 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 jaws like nature of the of the alien of the week as well as the idea that it's a library and it's the it's a whole planet that's a library and there's nobody here and it's weird that it's empty and that the Vashanarada start inhabiting people that they've killed and using their suits to speak and you know hey who turned out the lights is one of the creepiest things yeah it's very they creepy. do such a great job with it's very like, have you seen oh my mummy? Oh my god, once again, another Stephen Moffat episode. Anytime anybody's like, I hate Stephen Moffat, and then it's right. like, well, he wrote all of your favorite episodes. Like, I didn't like him as a showrunner. Being like... That's exactly yep. what they say. <laughs> They're like, is... That is exactly what they say, word yeah. for word. Oh, well, he treated <laughs> these characters poorly. I'm like, you act like Russell T. Davies was a saint. He also didn't right. treat his female characters very well. So Correct. let's let's pretend let's let's stop pretending that they're flawless. Though I will say that Chris Chibnall is killing it so far. So <laughs> I unbelievable. I love him. He he wrote yeah. and directed a lot of my favorite episodes of Torchwood. So I knew he was going to do a great job, and I'm very excited that I was right. And I'm glad that everybody's reaping 
the benefit of of that. The current season of Doctor Who is up there with me with like some with like David Tennant stuff. It's been there hasn't been maybe a single episode yet that might be quite as good as like the best of David Tennant. There hasn't been a, you know, blink or science in the library yet, but they're getting very close. <laughs> they're getting very We're close. We're also not even done with this so season, really so good. we don't know exactly right. how exactly. crazy it's going to get and how good it's going to get. Exactly. Just because Jodie Whittaker is just killing it. She's she's amazing. She's so and good. she reminds me a lot of David Tennant. Yes. She has she has some real fury in mm-hmm. her. She has so, she's not goofy. A lot a lot of people like Matt Smith a lot because he's so goofy and he's really fun and he's very inquisitive. Like he inquires more about the universe in a way that as curious as David Tennant was, he's he was more of the know-it-all doctor, you know, the a little bit less uh inspiring than the way the sort of childlike curiosity that Matt Smith Which has. Which is really interesting because I see Eleven very differently. I feel like Eleven never he he often kept everything really close to his chest and didn't tell people things that they should actually know. Yeah. And he has a lot of the darkness. And yeah. because because Ten's regeneration was so impactful so that it's like, you know, he's he had it was this huge regeneration and so he has this darkness to him and that's one reason I love him. And, you know, David Tennant's has has a tendency to also brood and feel very Shakespearean just because that's David Tennant's <laughs> yes. training. Yeah. It's like, oh, Shakespeare? Cool. The best, the best speeches of all the doctors to give any of the speeches, David Tennant's speeches to me have always been the best. He has had the best speeches, the best grandstanding among them all. Um, can we can we talk a little bit about uh, the doctor's daughter? It's it's I think one of the most underrated episodes in the show, and it's so much fun. And it might be because the general conceit of the show is a little um, it's it's maybe not as morally interesting as others, or as far as a sci fi element, because it is just two alien races on this planet warring in a never ending war so long that they've forgotten what the original war like what the fight was about and there really ever wasn't a fight they were actually on the same side and there was sort of a conflict and argument that just kept escalating and instead of people discussing things they just kept fighting and escalating and escalating and escalating yeah it's it's i really do like the doctor's daughter too and we mentioned it much earlier i was very bummed they didn't do anything more with jenny you know, they come up with this whole thing where it's like they they do a, a pinprick and all of a sudden they're like, oh, and we're going to make a new fighter. And then she pops out and it's like, technically, she's your daughter who in real life is yeah. actually David Tennant's wife. It's real weird. I know. That's so crazy. It's real weird. <laughs> Isn't she also who is she related to? She's related she's, to one of the earlier doctors, Peter Davidson's right? daughter, too. The fifth yes. doctor's daughter. So she's actually the doctor's daughter too, which is really, really neat. Like they 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 really did some stellar casting with that. Like A plus to the casting directors. But it was such an interesting character because the whole episode, like they're fighting it, but at the same time, like the doctor keeps like looking at her like, You're my daughter. Like <laughs> still can't comprehend, like, this is a thing. What which <laughs> <laughs> Which, if you remember, the the doctor has like a granddaughter when the series starts yeah. in the original series. <laughs> so the doctor already had children at one point or another. Uh, what happened to them? We don't know. We assume they died in the time war. Uh, and his granddaughter just like lived out the rest of her life 
somewhere in like, I think like the 2100s or something. I would, of all the things, I would love to see them pull back and bring into the series now, especially now that we have a woman doctor, it would be to have the doctor's daughter go meet her mom. That would be amazing. I really enjoyed it. And what was great about that episode was we got Martha to come back and interact with Donna. Yes. And to see her view how much the doctor's changed at this point and the doctor doesn't have just this sort of love adorning companion like he once had i think martha saw something in doctor like oh like you've changed but also this world will never be right for me like i i made the right choice sort of a thing um which is why it's also so weird at the end they just who they just stick her with uh what's mickey. his face mickey yeah they just stick her with mickey which was i'm like i got so i got come so on. many this feelings. is a bad look so many feelings this is a bad look <laughs> it is such a poor look like no one knew what to do with either of those characters they go we're just gonna stick them together why there's, not there's a part of it that's like okay you can kind of see it because they were both people that were basically rejected by the doctor and rose and so they have like that kinship of like of having those feelings for both of them yeah but she kind of left the doctor she actually sort of rejected the doctor that's the thing i loved about oh, her right no that i mean absolutely but i mean she she was having her feelings towards him rejected the whole season right you know? yeah and that's true she just kind of was like you know what i'm over this i'm i'm done putting myself through this torture i'm out Deuces. Yeah. but I think I think that the one of the things that was kind of like the worst look is that it's like, oh, the the two black companions that you have, you're going to put together. Oh, cool. it was cool, such cool, a cool. great look. Doctor Who. So stupid. So stupid. But now now that we have more companions who are people of color, we're getting more of a range. But at the time, it was like, I'm sorry, what wasn't Martha engaged to to Tom from the end of the third season and he was a medic like it was like a whole thing and it was really cute and they were engaged so confusing no explanation um i feel like we'd be remiss to not discuss the ood because the ood were very much i think the first real they were well not the first but they were one of the the best big picture things that doctor who has become more and more accustomed to doing and the teasing of the demise of the Doctor in the future, and this just really curious race of aliens that, at first, they almost seem like bad guys, then you see that they're sort of enslaved, and then you find out they're kind of benevolent, and they also really care about the Doctor, so they sort of sing about the Doctor. They have this song about the Doctor in the future uh, to remember him by. There's this really long arc with both how you experience the Ood in the show, how the Doctor's relationship changed with the Ood, and also how they were really just kind of warning everyone from the beginning, like, hey, get ready for the end, because it's coming, and you're not going to be happy about it. Yeah, the Ood are basically the survivalist people who are like, the end is nigh, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, whatever. You guys hold your brains in your hands, whatever. I'm not going to listen to you. And they're also yeah, slaves. Yeah, they're slaves, too, and they... I, I think they were they were used really well in the season, particularly. They would pop up every once in a while. and Because we were introduced to them before this episode, if I recall correctly. Uh, yeah, I believe so. And then you have the whole planet of them. Yeah, we met them. one Ood before, but Donna hadn't met yeah. any Ood's. And Correct. They, they, were, they, were, they just seemed like a, a whatever alien yeah, you know, at very, the time. They're also very mystical. 
And I think that's a type of character that Doctor Who doesn't use a lot of, which I think is a little short-sighted. You know, they they utilize that a lot in this season is like more like mystical type characters. And I'm really thinking of, you know, turn left where Donna literally oh gets that, that giant beetle on her back that is changing everything. And it is like at like a fortune teller type person. And they utilize a lot of these mystical elements. And I think that's one thing that they succeed with, with the Ood because they are this enslaved race and they're so harmless and but they're so knowing right and it's and i think that it's it's the way that they use them is so beautiful but also very chilling yeah i mean it's it's curious how they came to the concept because they're not a cuddly or friendly looking alien they actually can look quite scary in many ways you know they they don't uh typically humanoid creatures and aliens are aren't going to be like cute and then also uh, anything that is, I don't know, maybe kind of slimy looking. It, it definitely seems like a sea creature that became humanoid <laughs> in a way. Yeah. And they, so they, they picked this physical form that's going to make you feel uneasy because they, from the beginning, they don't want you to trust it, which they're doing on purpose because the truth is like this thing is good and the doctor has to kind of learn to go against his better instincts with the Ood because I think the doctor as much as the audience did, didn't necessarily always trust the Ood. Right. Because it it felt like the premonition was more of a threat. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And I think that was definitely thanks to the writing. You know. Yes, of course. The writing well, was brilliant. And we think that the Ood are going to be the ones bringing about the end. And it's like, oh, no, we're going to – we get to see the Daleks again. Don't you worry. They ain't going nowhere. This – Yeah. You know, the time war is never over. What well, we really learned with this show <laughs> – well, the, and the Ood, are, I think, are the proto version of what comes next with the aliens who make you forget everything. Oh, yeah. When you, when you, you know, like the Ood, I feel like, are the proto version of that, where they're like, okay, let's take this idea of an alien race that is sort of aware of something. They're trying to make a change to the history, trying to screw with the doctor. Um, but let's not make them good this time. Let's make them bad. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, you just mentioned Turn Left. That is an episode of Doctor Who that is probably one of the most emotional impactful of the whole series. Agreed. Agreed. And I think Midnight too. I you know because those kind of they go hand in hand because Turn Left is Donna's episode and Midnight is the Doctor's episode. And yeah. both of them are so emotionally impactful and it really speaks to the talent of David Tennant and Catherine Tate in that they're still able to carry these stories that are, you know, if the Donna had if Donna had never met the doctor and you know the doctor being trapped on this excursion and there is an alien that is taking over people's minds right and it's they're both scary in their own right and unfortunately one of them ends up kind of coming true and it's i think i think turn left also it's more emotionally impactful when you do know the ending of season 4 Right. And you realize like, oh, this is going to be your life. <laughs> oh, no. So it's it's definitely. Yeah, I really love I. Yeah, I love this season so much. And I want to talk about Midnight because it is such a great example of a bottle episode that just 
they they are able to make it scary and emotional and all just in the same space and also it's also so tragic too you know mm-hmm. especially at the end where the stewardess takes the I'm blanking on her name but the but the woman that has been inhabited by the the evil alien of the week and she grabs her <laughs> and they you know they exit out the door and we right. we know that they're dead and the the saddest and worst part of all of that is that they never got the stewardess's name and it is it is one of the saddest episodes and it's so well done and i love that episode and you are very lucky that that was your first one because it had so much in it yeah i actually i'm remembering now how i even saw it and it was at the end of the year there's always sort of a doctor who marathon same with like how there's twilight zone marathon i've always been a big twilight zone episode guy and then i just happened across this and i watched it and i was like that felt to me i was like oh this is modern day twilight zone (laughs) that was exactly what i thought i was like this was an episode of the twilight zone this is amazing the creepiness and simplicity of just having someone start repeating what you're saying back to you and then start uh changing their that you know their code switching they start changing the way they're speaking uh the inflection of what they're saying and then to think that they could actually steal you that, that you would you would lose yourself um is is interesting because it's not it's not similar to like a doppelganger where a doppelganger just uh copies you and replaces you it's like no 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 they're you're you're going to go away like <laughs> the self will not be copied and duplicated as much as it's going to be almost overwritten yeah yeah it is really overwritten and especially once once and i just remembered her name sky once she yes. starts speaking before the doctor that's when yes that's when it gets very scary because i think a lot of the fear and this is i think what especially like black mirror pra- plays on preys on is that idea of something that is beyond our control taking our own self and taking control of that and we lose our own individuality and our agency of who we are and that's what happens and especially when you know this alien ends up taking over what is possibly the worst possible situation for any anybody is them taking over a time lord's voice and it is it is it just makes it that much scarier yeah because none of them should be able to compete with the time lord correct yeah yeah so good so good it was curious i mean how sky decided to do that and made the decision to sacrifice herself because at that point everyone had sided with the sort of mob mentality of okay well let's get rid of the doctor the doctor is the problem and sky somehow did the selfless thing and i guess that's what the moral of the story was about was going against maybe just what um public opinion is and actually using like more critical thinking skills because it was clear at the doctor at the beginning the doctor was normal and someone else changed and then suddenly now the doctor is dealing with it and sky saw everyone saying oh well the doctor's sick so let's just get rid of the doctor problem solved and sky's like no this didn't begin with the doctor we need to get rid of the cause not the symptom everyone always just wants to attack the symptoms and they forget about the causes all the time and sky said well 
the doctor could have saved us, but now it's too late, so I have to do it, and took it into her own hands. Because if they had all thrown the doctor out, they would have just been next. It wouldn't have solved anything. Um, so it, it's fun to see just a regular person solve that problem, as opposed to the doctor having to be the hero for once. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to get into the fun part of these Doctor Who episodes that I've been doing, and that is doing the Myers-Briggs for all of the characters. Oh boy. I know. <laughs> Are you familiar with with Myers-Briggs? I am. It's kind of farcical, but it's still fun, though. I mean, we're not we're not doing this for, like, you know, yeah. job stuff. Right. I mean, it's no more... It, I'll, I'll say this. My Harry Potter house is more important to me than my Myers-Briggs. Agreed. But it should be that way for everyone. Agreed. <laughs> so it's definitely more. The Harry important. Potter house is the Myers-Briggs for the millennial. <laughs> Essentially, yes. So the two characters that we're going to do are Donna and River. Oh, great. Because I think they are two of the most interesting people this season. That we Donna definitely because we see the most of her. And then River because it's River. And she's awesome. So for Donna, just going over it, do we think that she is extroverted or introverted? Which, I mean, this is an obvious answer. Extroverted. Extroverted, for sure. Yeah. How does she prefer to take in information? Is she more sensing or intuition? So sensing, focusing on the reality of how things are, or intuition, imagine the possibilities of how things could be. Intuition. Noticing the big It's so hard. It is. That's tough. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. I will I can read the rest of them. So sensing is also paying attention to concrete facts and details, prefer ideas that have practical applications, like to describe things in a specific literal way. Intuition is also notice the big picture, see how everything connects, enjoy ideas and concepts for their own sake, like to describe. It's got to be intuition. Yeah. Just because that's, I mean, that's her whole existence, this sort of out of sync in time character. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Right. You have to have like nonlinear thinking for that to work. Agreed. Yeah. How does she prefer to make decisions? Which I mean, this is this is, I think, obvious. Make decisions in an impersonal way using logical reasoning or base your decisions on personal values and how your actions affect others. Mm. What would you say? I would say feeling is. Yeah, because she she acts with her gut. Yeah. You know, she's she reacts with her gut. It's just so hard because the same thing with intuition. It's like so much of the doctor's gut is based on just an insane brain. They are so they're so much smarter. So their gut is based on a level of of knowledge and experience that we can't even comprehend. That it, it's like it doesn't even perfectly describe a, a time lord. No, and it's it's almost unfair. <laughs> yeah, and I guess I guess with Donna too, she like she doesn't really like sit down and like think like oh how are we gonna get out of this situation? She's no Donna is not a thinking woman. No, she is not a thinking woman. She is a reacting woman and just oh yeah. Does what her gut is telling her, and she knows that her gut is correct, and just in a lot of ways, River is almost like the sexualized version of Donna for Doctor Who. They actually are personality-wise; they're both very kind of reactive and a little like they're a little hot-headed and like fast and chaotic. And she brings it in a way that Donna doesn't. Like their relationship is just there's just like some small changes that take it from like being a very platonic to uh you know romantic relationship between those two characters agreed yeah no seriously that is that is definitely a good observation because the last one is how do you prefer to live your outer life 
do you prefer to have matters settled, think rules and deadlines should be respected, or prefer to leave your options open, see rules and deadlines as flexible? Oh, those are definitely flexible for for River, 100%. Yes, for sure. They have to be. Yeah, she's like, she's <laughs> like, rules, what are rules? I don't care what rules are. Like, your rules aren't going to keep me. And I think, honestly. What is time yeah. to a Time Lord? Yeah, I think, especially reading the rest of Judging, which is the more of like the logical one, prefer to have detailed step-by-step instructions, make plans, want to know what you're getting into. I think think that's more donna honestly yeah uh yes yes she doesn't really enjoy surprises she learns to love them by the end uh and then at that point she can no longer experience them yeah i think i think one reason i highly relate to donna is because we have the same (laughs) myers-briggs we are very similar (laughs) i have a lot of the same feelings so if we are doing both of them, so Donna is in ENFJ, which is also mm-hmm. me. So mm-hmm. an ENFJ is caring, enthusiastic, idealistic, organized, diplomatic, responsible, skilled communicators who value connection with people. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, are you talking about Donna or are you talking about me? Yeah. I'm joking. I'm joking. And so Rivers is an ENFP. So enthusiastic, creative, spontaneous, optimistic, supportive, playful, value inspiration, enjoy starting new projects, see potential in others. Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. She's, I mean, Rivers just got the most open mind in the universe. And I think she kind of has to, considering she falls in love with the doctor who is all over the universe. Yeah. Yeah, you know what's funny? Um, because River, River being sort of like a quasi time lord, um, you know, she, she, you learn like obviously she can regenerate later on. Uh, what would have happened to River had she not, her body not been vaporized? Could she have regenerated again? I, I think so. Which then makes me think like, wow, the doctor sure is lucky he hasn't been blown up. <laughs> well, well, and here's the thing is that. We know now that the doctor's basically like a starfish. Like, if you lop off part yeah. of the doctor, like, he can regrow from that. I mean, Jack had his hand all that time because yeah. Jack's a weirdo. And I yeah. can't wait to talk about Torchwood. <laughs> Cannot wait to talk about that show. But, you know, it's, it's, I think, had she been A, a full time lord, B, not been vaporized. And right. had and had an actual like had a part of her available to regenerate from. I think I think we would have. Which then this begs the question, right? How come I was I was actually almost a little surprised because at the end of the episode, um, when all is said and done, she had a sort of copy of herself recorded, and she goes and essentially lives in this virtual space. Yeah. So then I was surprised they never brought her back as an android or there was no way to 3d print her yeah you know what i mean yeah no you could theoretically download her from that cloud it probably just would have been um too impactful to like rewrite that episode and maybe they left it open because they thought maybe they would in the future but i i was always uh, a little hopeful that maybe just bring him back maybe just maybe i mean the windows the the door is open 
they could yeah i don't think so i have a feeling like we might really never see any of the old characters i think they sort of closed the book on them in, in a good way but it's possible i just i always want to see captain jack again because i love john yeah. Barrowman. but that's just me and maybe not as a giant head don't i don't even want to get into <laughs> the face of bow discussion don't even want to get into it that is i love that episode <laughs> it's so weird face of bow they called me and you just see doctor and martha's faces of like hold on a second does he turn into a giant face <laughs> like you can just see it in their eyes and it is wonderful yeah it's very good oh, so good just just what a great way to like tie it all in and also like baffle not only the companion but also the doctor <laughs> so good and it's also suddenly like this person who's so when he first showed up in the first season, I was like, hold on a second. I I did not think that was John Barrowman. I thought, I was like, I was like, is Tom Cruise on Doctor Who? What is <laughs> happening? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just watching like really bad, like standard definition uploaded onto the internet. I'm like, this looks, I was like, it looks and sounds like Tom Cruise. What's going on? <laughs> mine was DVDs. So mine was a little bit clearer. For me, I got really excited when I found out that John Barrowman grew up in a city that is not too far from where I grew up. So that was really exciting. It was like, oh, he's also kind of from Chicago, even though his family's technically from Scotland. But yeah. he grew up in Joliet, <laughs> grew up in Joliet, Illinois, which is really exciting. And his sister lives in Aurora, which is the town next to the one I grew up in. Hooray. So fun facts about me. So I want to go into the 30-second pitch. Which I don't have to explain to you, but I'll explain to whoever's listening for the first time. That 30 second pitch is that Christian will have 30 seconds to name or to talk about a show that he thinks that everybody should be watching. And I will time you. Christian, what show are you pitching to the people? I thought a lot about this because I wanted to pick something that is very different from anything you've covered. So I picked an anime because you have not discussed a single anime yet on this series. I'm not sure if that's ever going to happen, <laughs> given the amount of We'll animes. see at the end of this 30-second pitch. <laughs> yeah, right? Given the amount of animes that I have watched, it would be a real... It, yeah. Yeah. Really, though, I'll tell you this later, but, but maybe, maybe, maybe. Okay. Okay, so what anime are you going to pitch? Uh, is my, uh, my Hero Academia. Okay, so I'm going to count you down in three, two, one, go. Okay, so My Hero Academia is possibly the best anime I've ever seen. It solves the problem that all animes have had before, which is that they're either never-ending or the story doesn't progress. Um, in fact, the first two seasons are only about 12 episodes each. They feel almost like a streaming show because the point in which the character begins and ends at the end of those seasons, there's so much character progression. And the story has already in the first three seasons, which that's all that's available, so it's not like you're looking at hundreds of episodes of TV to watch, and they're only like 22 minutes. Stop. 30 uh, seconds, Christian. I know. Damn it. You can talk more about it. What else? Uh, I'll give you more time. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, I actually just, it was almost like I needed a 30-second disclaimer on, like, for, don't worry about the fact that it's anime. Is <laughs> So what is uh, what is it actually about, though? It's the best, I think it's the best version of any kind of mutant in any form of media I've watched. It's better than X-Men. It's better than Heroes. It is, uh, I have not seen a mutant media franchise that is as good as this one, and it's because it takes place in a world in which all the mutants already exist, and it, like the hierarchy and uh, cultural 
economy of people having or not having powers isn't is is very much a backstory is not really the main prerogative of the series and so it's just about like okay what would actually happen if people had them and the world was like that and it, it's a lot more interesting and it's like these kids go to school to become superheroes cool it's awesome it's so I'd, good i'd watch that it's so good it's just better x-men with better animation them's them some fighting words <laughs> yeah oh yeah i've said that to people and they're like excuse me <laughs> i'm sorry what yeah i i was very briefly into anime when i was in high school because my all my friends were into anime so i've seen some naruto i mostly read naruto yeah it's like whatever i've watched all of full metal alchemist not brotherhood because mm-hmm. they, they switched the i'll be honest i watched dubs because i'm an american and i don't like re- to read while i'm watching no, my i guess that that's fair and i couldn't get over the fact that they recast the voice actor for Al. I, I Oh, yeah. I, That's always weird. I haven't watched the newer version, The Brotherhood. I've only seen the original. I couldn't get over it. Uh, love, yeah. love Sailor Moon. Yep, Sailor Moon's great. And I only ever caught a couple episodes of Cardcaptor Sakura, and I liked it. Yeah, which is, like, okay. This is, like, leagues better than everything you've mentioned. Okay. Like, it is... It's so good that I recommend it to people that don't watch anime all the time because I like it as much as I like some of my like favorite TV shows as well. It is just the writing and the character progression is actually all there and there's a real story that's interesting. <laughs> and there's very there's some but there's so little of the garbage anime tropes that's in everything, <laughs> especially with like the really shitty like gross creepy pervy anime tropes that's in everything. Okay. There's like very little of it, which is great. Okay. Where where could I watch this? Should I It's all on Hulu. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So you don't need to like have a like crunchy roll or anything. Okay, I have Hulu, so this is a possibility. Once I get through season two of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is dropping on December fifth. Ooh, very excited! Love that show. Very. So, Christian, thank you so much for finally being on my show. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I say this as if I have been asking you this for months, but really, this is just when it has happened yeah and it was more i mean i had said to you like oh at some point when you don't have someone to come on and you want to do this i'll just come on and that's when we'll do it (laughs) it it was time it was time to do this season and this and i you know it was time it was time yeah we'll do this again sometime you know yeah once you watch travelers oh my god (laughs) and you know and i'll 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 see you sometime soon ish you know yes (laughs) not like i'm not gonna see you on sunday so correct I'm I'm actually gonna do my plugs first since Great. Christian has it's it's very weird to do the format that I normally close the show out and say hey Christian is there anything that you want to plug then you plug your stuff then I plug my stuff and then I thank you for being my producer <laughs> and then close it out it's very weird that's fair so you can follow me on Facebook Twitter and Instagram at Jack Loves TV and. We are doing Hamilton's on Sunday, December 9th. If you are interested in that, there are, I think there are still reservations available on Eventbrite. You can look up Hamilton's LA. Christian is also a producer for that. It's very weird. He and I switch, basically switch positions and it's great. And it's going to be, and I want to, I also want to highlight an event that's happening at my favorite bar, Idlauer. They are doing a, Yule Ball on December 15th, and 
if you can find it is actually free you don't need the tickets the tickets are for the raffle oh but that's okay I didn't know that. that's okay you have now have tickets for the raffle i gave christian some tickets oh. so we good but yeah you should go if you can and yeah it's gonna be great christian what do you want to plug um well the most important thing would probably for listeners of this uh the show watch world which is the other tv and movie podcast we have uh unlike jack's where they'll talk about generally whole series um and you will like zone in on a specific season where this is more like um we do week to week episodes and we're doing the current season of doctor who uh so watch world is good um and uh, i'm on the zide heist podcast i'm on unranked if you like video games i have the other one that i would pitch more importantly to people here is ultimate fictional character it's my new show where we it's a cross genre fictional face-off there's four characters randomly selected every episode and you compare and argue and discuss about them and sort of uh one is the winner each week and then eventually all the winners face each other so on and so forth single elimination until we find who is the best we actually have doctor who coming up in a future episode doctor who was selected so uh two very relevant things people could listen to here for me and of course we are at zeitheist.com can't wait can't wait for you to invite me to be on that so yeah so that that one's always harder because we don't have a set day to record we just kind of do it randomly well (laughs) (laughs) well can't wait can't wait till i get tapped for that one yeah so thank you everybody for listening thank you christian for being here and also being my producer and being my friend and oh yeah i know oh sentimentality and i'm part of the zeitheist network and i will talk to you all next week bye bye